friends, welcome back. Well, in the last week of football, we've had two of the best games of the year. My St Kilda heart has been broken twice, and I would say now that we are settled on a top six for this season. I don't think it's going to change now. Let's get into it. Okay, so because of the whole, you know, festival of footy, fixturing, cram and all that, I am covering nine games this round, or this week, I should say. So most of which are from round seven, which is what we're up to. And then there was a couple of other makeup ones from earlier in the year that didn't get to happen because of, you know, um, COVID and whatnot. But now we're all caught up. So every team has now played seven games and all of the rounds moving forward from here are all, well, unless there is somehow another interruption, they're all going to go as normal, more or less. So to start off with, we're going back to some day last week. I can't remember when this game was played. I think it was last Thursday, maybe. Um, but this was Gold Coast versus Brisbane, and Brisbane absolutely whooped them. So it was Gold Coast 2-4-16 to Brisbane 12-13-85. Yoof. Uh, that's a pretty big victory. Um, it's not the biggest score ever in AFLW. I believe it's two points shy of a record that the Bulldogs set last year or the year before. Um, but it's still a very big score by Brisbane there. I feel like they were flexing their muscles a little bit after the close game they had against St Kilda now almost three weeks ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I feel like they, they just absolutely stomped on the Gold Coast. And it's disappointing because the Gold Coast have had such a great year. Um, to have this happen in a Q clash is would be really disappointing for them. They, you know, obviously they would not go in favourites in in any way into this game, but they would not have expected, nor would anyone have expected them to lose by so much and so comprehensively. Um, the usual suspects for Brisbane, Bates, O'Dwyer, Hodder, all very good. Taylor Smith was very impressive. I think she kicked three goals. Um, yeah, they, they just, like, 12-13 is a, Brilliant score for AFLW. It's a it's a it's a good score anywhere, really. If, if a men's team scored that, they'd be pretty happy as long as they won. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I I really think I'm going to talk about Brisbane again before this episode's over and the Gold Coast because there's more games to come. I think almost every team gets two runs <laughs> in this. Not almost every, but most of them get two runs in this episode because of 
the different games that had to be caught up on and stuff. There's a number of teams that play twice that have played twice in the last week and a half. So I'll leave that game where it is because I'm going to return to those two teams. But yeah, Brisbane, very, very impressive and just reminding us how well they can score when they're on. They're a very, very high-scoring team. They've got probably... It's really hard, but you know, I like their forward line a lot. They've got a really, really capable and diverse forward line, so they've got real potential to score, as we've seen here. The next game, Western Bulldogs versus Geelong. Now, I believe this was on Friday night, was it last week? Uh, Bulldogs 3 10 28 defeated the Cats 2-4-16. Not a very exciting game at all. This is two teams that are sort of just, you know, going along. Um, not due to this game, but due to the following game, uh, the Bulldogs are now going to find it very, very difficult to play finals. And look, it's it's not been the year they would have hoped for. Probably them and Carlton as well have not exceeded, not reached expectations, I should say, um, by any means. Three goals, 10, even as a winning score, is not very good for a team like the Bulldogs. Um, when you're kicking like that, it's really hard to be consistent. Um, like they kick like that against a good team, they're not going to win, as we've seen. Um, it was a very windy day, which, you know, explains a bit of it, but still, you know, playing at Windy at Windy Hill. <laughs> playing at Witten Oval, their home ground, um, against a team like Geelong, they should be doing a bit better than this. So yeah, I think what the Bulldogs are gonna to want to work on over the summer is a bit of consistency. They've got they've got a really good team. They've got so many good players. Um and I'm as I'm gonna talk about in a little bit, they played a brilliant game against the Gold Coast just the other day. But yeah, they're just they can't maintain their best football week to week, which obviously is what you have to do if you're going to contend. Um, and Geelong, look, they're, they're just out where they're at. I've said this a thousand times. Um, they actually, you know, Bulldogs were a little bit further in front, sort of in the third, you know, in the second half. And I think I think Geelong were goalless in the first half, and then they kicked a couple as we got through the second half and sort of gave the Bulldogs a little bit of a scare. So... You know, it's it's good for Geelong and the young teams to sort of experience being within reach in the late stage of a game because it's a totally different feel when the game is up for grabs with a quarter to go, with 10 minutes to go, whatever. It's it's good for them to experience that. Um, just one player I want to touch on, Bulldogs player, Kirsty Lamb. 26 disposals and 7 tackles. I don't talk about her enough. I'm always talking about what a great kick Ellie Blackburn is. Um, but she had a brilliant game and she's having a brilliant season. She's a really good player. I just wanted to mention her. Um, all right. And then the next game was one of the bad ones. There was a couple of really, really bad game. Really bad, not bad games. Bad results for some teams. I'm going to get to St Kilda in a minute. Um, this was GWS versus Adelaide. GWS... Just the five behinds to Adelaide, 5-15-45. Now, Adelaide probably should have won this by more like 12 goals rather than 40 points. 
Um, 515 is not great, but it's still a thwalloping, which, you know, they're not going to be upset about. But, you know, they are on top of the ladder, but they could have been further on top of the ladder in terms of percentage. They could have, you know, made first unreachable should they continue to win every remaining game. Um, I'll be surprised if someone does unseat them, but, you know, if they'd won by a bit more, they would have made it just that bit more difficult. But still, really, really dominant performance by them. I'm really liking Ash Woodland's season, I think because of the way that Taylor Harris is going. As we get to finals, the two of them are going to start to be compared a little bit. I think Woodland's still leading the goal kicking. Um, But they're both just absolutely dominating at the moment. I would love if, if Melbourne and Adelaide get to the grand final or, you know, I'm sure they'll meet at some point in the finals to have each of them at either end just just Favola and Buddy, you know, just having a kickoff to see who can get their side to win. Like, they, they are both so powerful and dominant, and I'll talk about Harris a little bit later. But Ash Woodland's one who's sort of burst onto the scene this year. It's not her first year, but, you know, she's suddenly become an extremely dominant and powerful key forward, and she's she hardly ever misses. When she's got a set shot, you can just about bank it every single time. So she's going really well. Um, now, at the time of this game, no, I still do. At the time of this game, I felt for GWS because this is a sort, you know, they're having a similar, you know, they've won a couple of games, um, but they were having a rough patch. And just after this game, St Kilda had their two-point game as well. As in that was the total score. So... I did feel for GWS, and I still do feel for them. I don't blame them for what happened in the game against St Kilda yesterday. Um, It's really, really, really rough to watch your team get belted so comprehensively and not even be able to score a goal themselves. Um, I think while teams are still putting in performances like this, the AFLW has still got serious, serious, serious work to do with the skill level, with the coaching, because even even in the AFL, the absolute best team smacking the absolute worst team, the worst team is still going to put up four or five or six or seven goals. You know, they're not going to have no goals. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we reach a day soon where you just don't get these goalless performances anymore. We're still going to get thrashings. And with more expansion sides coming in next year, there's going to be more of them. But hopefully within three years or so, they're a thing of the past. Um, Adelaide are on top of the ladder for a reason. It's it's really hard to pick a premiership favourite at the moment. Um, personally, I've got it down between them and Melbourne, but it's really hard to make a case against them. They've that they've done it before. Their you know their percentage shows how dominant they've been. Um, they've got regular contributors who are playing elite football. Marinoff, Hatchard were both brilliant. Um, 
I'll make I'll, I'll mention Elise Parker as well for the Giants, who was brilliant not only in this game but in the game against St Kilda. Um, she's carrying a heavy load at the Giants. She's doing a lot of work, so she needs to be mentioned. But yeah, Adelaide are red hot. Now I, I, I didn't see um, what the end result was for the injury to Aaron Phillips. Um, I don't even know what it was or if she's going to miss games, but there was an injury there somewhere. So that'll be something to keep an eye on and it will affect their chances at a premiership for sure. Um, but they don't rely on her like they used to. Not at all. The, the other names I just mentioned, Marinoff and Hatchard, are now, you know, what the, they're the engine room. They're what the team is running off. So yeah, they're, they're a really, really well spread team across the ground. They got experienced players playing top level football everywhere now Adelaide. So yeah, they're going really well. All right. And then, okay, let's talk about the Saints. Talk about the Carlton game first. So this was tough. This was tough. And, you know, every, anyone can, you know, any footy fan can imagine what this is like. Um, Carlton, 6'5", 41 to St Kilda, two behinds, the equal lowest ever score in the AFLW. Um, lots of things I want to talk about here. So this is a good chance for us to win a game. Carlton have been in really bad form all year. We just had to come out, apply a heap of pressure, use the ball well-ish, like just well enough, kick straight-ish, and we would have we would have been fine. But we came out and we let Carlton bully us. Carlton came out and piled on the pressure, which of course they were going to do, and St Kilda just crumbled. I could not believe. Like St Kilda has got a very, very young team at the moment. The girls, right? So yeah, of course, to just ride a heap of pressure from a more experienced opposition team is going to be difficult. But God, I could not believe how we just folded immediately. Not even a yelp. Like those two behinds we kicked were the two first scores of the game. So the first five minutes of the game, we were totally on top. It lived inside our forward 50 for that first five minutes. But then, you know, it was Georgia G, Vesio, Lulawifi in the back line. Like, all of Carlton's players just after those first few minutes were like, all right, let's, let's start the game now. And they just, we didn't even look like coming close to scoring after that it was really 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 embarrassing honestly it's the worst day in club history as in for the for the girls for the girls yeah you can't even break the game down because we we just went home after those first five minutes or so we just packed up it's like no no i feel like i feel like going to get some food let's just stop playing let's just stop doing one of the fundamentals of football, which is applying pressure to the opposition. Now, the last few weeks, I've been really starting to question Dal's ability to coach. It is only his first season, but I don't know. It seems, and again, I'm going to cover this in the, in the Giants game in a little minute, but 
there just doesn't seem to be any sort of game plan. That is, there's no synergy. There's no understanding of what your teammate is going to do once they have the ball. There's no moving for one another. There's no fluid ball movement. It's all very stop, start. What do I do? Someone come and help me. Someone like it's it's so painful, painful, painful to watch. It really is. And yet there's every single week this year, there have been a handful of players who just have been fantastic, but they're too far ahead of everybody else. Like Tilly Lucas Rod's going to win our best and fairest by a mile. She has been fucking amazing this year. Moving into the midfield, she's been absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. She's taking tagging roles. She's just taking pure midfield roles. She's getting all over the ground. She's then been thrown back into defense when she's needed to. She's done everything and she's been superb. She will deservedly win our best and fairest this year. Um, Cat Phillips having a brilliant year. Her best year as a saint, I think. I think she's been really good. Um, she was my MVP for this game. I thought she was excellent. Priest also the last couple of weeks been moved into the midfield, doing a really, really excellent job. Um, and with you know Tilly and Priest being moved into the middle, there's been space opened up in the back line. And Ali Burke has been moved back there. Um, and she was playing on Vessio for a little bit, and she's you know held Vessio. I mean, Vessio did end up with two goals, but in patches, I thought Burke was really, really good um, in that role, in that sort of you know small defender shutdown role. I thought she was excellent, and I think that role suits her at the best out of everything I've seen her do. Like she's you know one of those players, bit of half forward, midfield sort of, but. In these last couple of weeks, it seems to really, really fit her style of playing to play as that small defender. So I, I really like, you know, she didn't have a perfect game. Bessio got a couple of goals, but I still thought she was really good. Um, and Ree Watt as well, with cutting um, out injured, I think she did her ribs or something a few weeks ago. Um, Watt has been shouldering most of the ruck work, and she's been really good. She's... Her, her football has gotten a lot better since she's been moved onto the ball. Um, we still need a better number one Ruckman next year, 100%. But I've been really happy with how Watt's gone the last three games or so. I think she's been really good. But yeah, I don't know. And another, another big, big, big problem I've noticed most games this year, we are so unfit. We are so unfit. And like I said, we've got a very young team. Lots of lots of players under the age of twenty, but my God, was so unfit. Coming out after halftime with just no juice, no energy. Like it's it's worrying to see. Yeah, in the last quarter, get a little bit tired. Last ten minutes, it's gonna get scrappy. You're gonna be fucking knackered. But at halftime, you shouldn't be dead at halftime. I I think that and. Just our ball use by hand and foot are the two number one concerns for this coming off season. Work on fitness, work on ball use. Don't even work on goal kicking because there's no point in working on goal kicking if we never get there. Work on the other things first and then practice the goal kicking. 
and formulate some kind of game plan because Dell, I don't know what the game plan is or if we even have one because you look at our ball movement and it's nowhere. It's, it's, it's like they've thrown 20 strangers into a game. It's like, right, here are the rules. You guys go figure out how you're going to execute those rules. Like, I don't know. I just don't know. If it, if it gets really bad in these last three games, I don't know if Dal keeps his job a winless season. Imagine that in the men's. Imagine a winless season in the AFL by a team. The president would go. The coach would go. There would, there would just be mass exodus by all manner of staff and players. Imagine that. Which is what we're going to have now. We're not going to win a game now. Um, our best chance was against Carlton and against the Giants yesterday. And we were unsuccessful in both of those. So I don't think we can beat Gold Coast on... I think we're playing them on Sunday. Um, and then we have Geelong, which m- might be a chance. But still, Geelong play too well and fast for us currently. The way that they're going. And then we've got Adelaide, which will be a, you know another... 10 point thrashing, 10 point, 10 goal thrashing. So yeah, I'm really worried about where the Saints girls are at and I'll talk a little bit more about them in a minute when I get to our other game. All right. Next up, we had West Coast Eagles versus Richmond in a cracking game. This is a beauty. Um, West Coast, seven goals, three forty-five, and Richmond, 10 goals, eight sixty-eight. Now it's, it's a, large-ish margin, and the margin was never really close. That's not really what I mean by a good game. What I mean was is that there were 17 goals kicked, which is a fantastic amount of goals for an AFLW game. Really, really good stuff. Richmond, despite the fact they're not going to play finals this year, are one of the highest scoring teams in the comp. They figured out how to score. It's the fast ball movement. It's the dynamic ball movement. It's, It's having a good game plan and understanding of that game plan when you're kicking the ball, excuse me, inside 50. Having a player like Katie Brennan who understands forward craft, leading patterns, can take a mark, can kick a goal, all of that is such an advantage. Um, And obviously they've got lots of other players as well who um, understand and are executing the game plan really well. But Richmond's year has been excellent because they've just developed so much in this last off season like i said got a game plan are executing it well they're fit they're fast and their ball movement's good the the um you know their ball use i should say is good so it's you know the if you, if you get the fundamentals really good if you get them just you, well you're so good at them where you can do them with your eyes closed all the other stuff becomes a lot easier. It falls into place, you know, being really good at kicking goals, being really good at, you know, team defense, all these whatevers, you know, if you, you get your pressure, ball, ball use, ball movement, all of that just down, all the other little things, you know, just fall into place. I, just, I don't know. And like Richmond get the ball and just fucking go. They just go. They either kick it as far as they can or they just run. And when they take a mark or get a free kick, they've got players running 
up either side in support, you know, give it to me, you know, we just kick it, you know, like, I really like watching them play and they will play finals next year. I can tell you that their trajectory is going to be fast. You can just see it happening in front of my very eyes. Um, West Coast, West Coast, as I've said a few times, uh, they seem to be going backwards. Um, they haven't played finals yet, and now they seem to be, you know, moving back down the ladder. Not really sure what's going on with them. Um, like I said, they were okay. Like 45 is not a bad score, and they were competitive, but they just couldn't quite get back close to Richmond once. Once, oh gee, once Richmond got out to that, you know, four goals or so in front. Um, their captain Swanson, very, very good. She had a brilliant game. Um, as did as did Monique Conti. For Richmond, she's had a brilliant year. Um, I don't know if they've won enough games for her to win the league best in Ferris, but she's going to poll pretty highly. She's had a really, really good year, breakout year um, for her, for sure. All right, next game was the Kangaroos versus the Magpies. Uh, North Melbourne, 6-2-38 to Collingwood, 2-3-15. Now, this worries me a little bit about Collingwood. They... I think when it comes to finals, which I think they'll be playing now, be surprised if they don't, they're going to get whooped by the teams in the top four. They're going to get whooped because they just can't quite hang it with the big dogs. They can't. They've lost two games this year, three games this year now. Yeah, they've lost three games this year to North Melbourne, Fremantle and Brisbane. Three of the best teams. And then they've got Adelaide in two weeks, which I can't see them winning. So they can't win again. And they're just not competitive. Like North have smashed them here. Won very comfortably. They're, they cannot go with these really good teams. There's, they're just in that tier below. They just are. North Melbourne, on the other hand, I think might be the sleeping giants in the top six and the top four. I should say. Um, for some reason, North in both the AFLW and the AFL, they just sort of get forgotten. People forget that they exist. But th this Kangaroos team, they're in the top four and they're playing brilliantly. I, I, I cannot see a reason why they couldn't go all the way once they get to finals. I've got no reason to think... like they, They've beaten... Fremantle, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago. So they can beat the best teams. So there's no reason. You know, they've got Emma King, Dominant Ruckman. They've got, um, oh, what's her name? Ash Riddell. Is that her name? Um, who's destroying the league in disposal. She's racking them up every week. Um, you know, they've got plenty of good players. You know, even look at Jazz Garner who's had 26 disposals and three goals. You cannot have a much better game than that in the men's or the women's. That is an amazing performance. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going really well. They like playing in Tassie. This is their seventh game in Tasmania for their seventh win. So they like playing in Tassie. Very good down there in wherever it was. Hobart, Lawn says, I don't know. I don't bloody know. Um, but, yeah, like I said, North are... Uh, 
the sleeping giants. Do not forget about them. And like I said, Collingwood have not convinced me at all just yet. All right, onto the final three. Three really, really good games. Three of the best games of the year. Two of them right up there. Brilliant games. So the first one, Brisbane versus Melbourne. Brisbane, four goals, eight, 32 to Melbourne. Five goals, five, 35. Ooh-wee. If Taylor Harris doesn't make Melbourne flag favourites, I don't know what does. So Brisbane had this game totally under control. And then after halftime, Melbourne decided that they weren't going to let, let Brisbane have this game totally under control anymore. Taylor Harris comes out and goes bang, bang, bang. And suddenly Melbourne are in front just into the last quarter. And, and that was it. it. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was exciting. That third quarter when Melbourne just went bang, 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 and suddenly, fuck, it's game on out of nowhere. I, I love that. Like, it doesn't matter if the games aren't enormously high scoring. When you've got a team controlling a big chunk of the game early in the game, and you think, oh, they're going to hang on to this or they're going to run away with it, and the other team just catches up really quickly. When when the entire shape of the game changes in like five minutes, it's so exciting. Think about the grand final last year, the, the men's grand final, right? Where scores are sort of level, and then in that third quarter, Melbourne just exploded, right? Bang, bang, bang. They, what did they kick? Four goals in a minute and a half or whatever it was that they did? How insane was that? Bang, the game is basically over in a, in a moment. It just changes every... Oh, it's so fucking cool. It was a, it was a really, really good game. Really good game. Brisbane, oh, I don't know. This sort of shit is why they're not in the top four. Um, They just... I don't know. They're, they're not as sharp as they were last year, or at least in last year's final series. They, like, anyone in the finals can go all the way. You know, that's for sure. But... Those teams in the top four are just a little bit better than Brisbane and Collingwood. Granted, Brisbane is also a little bit better than Collingwood as well. Um, but yeah, just not being able to, like at home as well, not being able to hang on to that lead just says how dangerous Melbourne are. And you cannot stop Taylor Harris. Same as Woodland at Adelaide. You cannot stop them. There's no defenders in the AFLW who can go with these girls. They are too big, they are too powerful, they're too agile, and they're too skillful. They just can't do it. And until, you know, until they're retired, they're just going to run rampant. Seriously. Hayless. Uh, Hayless? <laughs> Taylor Harris was absolutely on fire. And like I said before, I really, really hope, in fact, you know, I'll won't be surprised at all if Melbourne and Adelaide meet somewhere in the finals, hopefully deep in the finals, just to see the two of them have a shootout. That'd be fucking great. Um, and and Bates from Brisbane was fantastic again as well. She's having a she's having a great year. Um, it's it's 
really, really hard. Like if you look at just the top four, they're all entrenched there now. Melbourne being brilliant, Fremantle being brilliant, Adelaide brilliant, North Melbourne brilliant. It's so hard to pick a favourite. Who is going to win? The only thing that sends me in Melbourne's direction is Taylor Harris. Now, Woodland might have kicked more goals, I believe, but Harris just, she's a match winner like this. If the game isn't under Melbourne's control, she's like, right, I'm just going to kick a couple of goals and I'll sort it out. And they're not going to be able to stop me from doing that. Just kick it to me and it will be fine. Like, yeah, I think she is such a weapon. Such a weapon. Oh. Yeah, like, but you know, you can also very easily make a case for Adelaide, slightly less so for Frio and North, but not really. You can really make a case for any of them, which is why it's so exciting. We're only a few weeks away from finals now. It's really, really exciting. Um, all right, and then the next brilliant game was Gold Coast versus the Western Bulldogs, and it was a draw. 6-5-41 to 6-5-41. This game, this is, it was again very similar. Gold Coast were totally in control, and they, they were in control for longer than Brisbane were. They were in control up until the last quarter when the Bulldogs kicked four unanswered goals to come up and level the scores, which was just, like, I just happened to turn this game on at the start of the last quarter. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'll give it a look. Boy, I'm glad I did. Ho, 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 I'm glad I did. <laughs> it was amazing. The Bulldogs just, like, oh, you think they're done. They haven't had that good a year. They don't have four, actually, they need more than four goals to win. They haven't got that in them. And they just went bang. Oh, they got a, they got a quick one. Oh, fuck, they got another one. Oh, shit, they've got three, and there's still 10 minutes to go. Oh, they've got another one. There's still, like, eight minutes to go, and scores a level. <laughs> oh, God, it was amazing. Oh, it was great. Bonnie too good. Fantastic. Um, lots of the dog players I saw in the last quarter were just giving it everything. They were excellent. Um, and Charlie Rowbottom for Gold Coast, number one draft pick from last year, absolutely brilliant. She is going to turn into some kind of player. She had 25 disposals and a goal, her first goal of her career. So she was fantastic. And, you know, both teams, I mean, you really, like, obviously Gold Coast should have won, but also Bulldogs should have won. They came so hard in the last quarter, but they just couldn't get in front. Because as soon as scores got level, they just stopped being able to score. It was really strange, you know, but God, it was a cracking game. A couple of really, really good games towards the end of the round here. Um, but unfortunately, what the draw means is that it's now extremely likely that neither of these teams is going to play finals. Because they're now both half a game behind Collingwood and winning would have put them level on points with Collingwood. So now they're going to have to win. Their percentage doesn't matter. They're going to have to win two more games than Collingwood do with only three games left for the year. So 
if Collingwood wins one game, like one of them's going to have to win three games to get in. So, yeah, I don't think that's happening. So this is why you would think that the top six is set now. It's just mathematically very unlikely that either Gold Coast or the Dogs are going to get in, which is surprising. You know, you would like Gold Coast have had a fantastic year, so they could have gotten in, but you think the Dogs have always been playing finals. Definitely think they were going to get in. Not the case. Couldn't quite squeeze in, and they're going to rue that um, because they would have come into this year thinking that they were a serious chance, and they just blew it. They just weren't good, except for in the last quarter of this game where they were fucking sensational. But, yeah, like I said, like if one of them play finals... It'll be amazing, and they will have an enormous amount of momentum going into this final series, but no, it, it would take something monumental for them to get in. Okay, let's talk about yesterday, or last night. GWS versus St Kilda. GWS 6541, St Kilda 5939. This was harder than the Carlton game because this was... This is the best we've played this year by a long way. It's our highest score. It was against another team that had been struggling, and we should have won. We were in front when the siren went. And look, I, I very much try to avoid complaining about umpiring on the podcast because it's just there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It's done. It's the way it is. And I think they've got a really hard job. And they don't always do it perfectly, but they often do a really good job and they have the best view. So sometimes if it's sort of like an iffy call, uh, don't know if I agree with that, they're probably right because they're right there. That being said, the umpiring in this game was absolutely unbelievably poor. Worst umpiring I've seen in an AFLW game. Seriously, it was atrocious. Throughout the entire game and going in, you know, both directions. So, you know, it, if the umpiring had been better, I'm not saying St Kilda would have won. We might have lost by three goals. But I think I would rather the umpiring be better so that the result, you know, is legitimate. Because, like, that, that last 50-meter penalty, if it was... I haven't checked to see if it has been confirmed that it was that sheer law holding that you can kind of almost see in the in the footage. If that was the 50-meter penalty, yes, technically, if it was... Because from the very little bit you can see in the footage, it looks like they're sort of holding each other, which happens constantly throughout every single game. It's always happening. Players holding each other's jumper and sort of trying to stop them from running away and, you know, little, you know, pulling and pushing and all this constant contact with your direct opponent all game long. So um, unless there was a very, very egregious hold by Sheilor, which is like you absolutely cannot see from the footage, but I'd be surprised if there was, unless there's that, it's terrible game sense by the umpire to pay a 50-meter penalty right then and there. 
understand where the game is at. Understand, you know, a little, have a little bit of pageantry about it. Like I'm not saying umpires should manipulate results to get something a little bit more exciting, but just have a feel for the way the game is going. St Kilda's last quarter was a lot better than GWS's. St Kilda controlled the last quarter and we got in front. So you would say that we deserve to win. In fact, we did deserve to win because we were in front when the siren went. There just happened to still be one more kick to be had. Um, but yeah, God, throughout the entire game, so many umpire decisions that you just sort of, like even ones that were of no consequence, that you still just sort of scratched your head and like, where have you pulled that from? Yeah, it's, I won't say any more about it. It was just really, really, really bad. And it may or may not have influenced the result. And like I said, I don't care either way, as long as the umpiring is of a certain quality. That's all. Um, yeah, like I said, this is St Kilda's best game of the year. We were really, it was actually, it was a really good game overall. It was very, very, very close throughout. It was goal for goal, basically, for the entire game. Um, as I mentioned before, usual suspects for St Kilda. Tilly, Tani White was back from suspension. I thought she was fantastic. I said she was my MVP um, this week. Most metres gained on the ground. Um, she nearly won the game off her own boot in the last quarter. She kicked a goal and she nearly kicked one or two others, all from 50 metres out. Um yeah, she was she was excellent. Phillips again, excellent. She's the most composed player I've seen of this St Kilda girls group by a long way. Every time she gets the ball, often on the wing, it's usually where she's playing. She's just un, unfazed by everything. She's totally unflappable. She's she's excellent. Um, and Nicola Zenos as well was really good. She got a couple of early goals, got us going. Um, she's been really good in front of goal this year, so she deserves a little bit of uh, of a mention there. And then for the Giants, I mentioned uh, Elise Parker before. She was fantastic, um, as was Eva and Staunton as well. Staunton was out of control inside forward 50. She might be 100 years old, but nobody could stop her. It was a little bit annoying, actually. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was a cracking, like umpiring aside, this was an excellent game of football. Very, very entertaining. Um, I'm just gutted. It's really hard to be excited about a good game of football when it has absolutely just gutted me. And I have a feeling I have three more games of being gutted to look forward to, but I very much hope that Dal and the girls can surprise me. And pull a win from somewhere. You think either against Gold Coast or Geelong is our best chance. I'd just love to for, to for it to not be a winless season. That'll be really hard. Like it's hard for me. Imagine how hard it is for the girls. Like you can see how much it means to them. Sure, Sheila's reaction after the siren, which you know also led you to believe that it was her that gave away the fifty. Like you can see how like. Imagine you're them and you are just losing every single fucking week. And you're in so much pain every week because you just can't, like, just going out there to win games of football. And you're letting, you know, the team's letting itself down. Everyone in the team would feel like they're letting everyone else down. Letting the fans down, the coaches, the everyone. There's a lot of pressure to just be losing every single week. It'd be so bloody hard. 
It'd be so bloody hard. Um, but now, hopefully, we can win a game somewhere. Hopefully, Dal has got some sort of plan. I don't know. He might only have a few games left. I think that'd be tough. Sack him after one season. But just before I go as well, I'm just going to I haven't spoken about her on the podcast since the start of the season, but it's really hard for me to see Georgia Petrikios coming back now to football at all. Really, 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 really hard to see her coming back to St Kilda because of the pain that really she's responsible for. If she's been, if she had been playing this year, if she was vaccinated, we'd have three wins on the board. We would have beaten GWS, we would have beaten West Coast, and we would have beaten Brisbane. So that's the quality of player that she is. We would have beaten all three of those teams. But because she wasn't, just because, for no really good reason other than that she just doesn't agree with the vaccine for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I don't know. I'm sure the girls still love her, but there'd, there'd be resentment there, which I think it'd be really hard to get over. So we can look forward to having Tiana Smith back in the team next year from her ACL, but Patrikios, I think, is extremely unlikely. Anyway, anyway. Rough, rough couple of games for Saints fans. Um, but Melbourne, Adelaide, Frio, North Melbourne. It's getting towards finals now. This is the time to start playing your absolute best football every single week. Brisbane and Collingwood as well. But yeah, all, all that finals group now. Because the finals are set, they, they are basically starting now. And it's just where what position you can get yourself in. What sort of, you know fitness you can get yourself to you know really nail down the game plan that's all the that's all the stuff these good teams are going to start doing there they're going to start looking towards finals which is exciting it's only a few weeks away as is the start of the boys season we've had a few sort of practice matches already this week um don't really like I watched the Saints one, obviously, but you know the results are whatever. You're more watched to see new position changes, new players, that sort of thing. Um, but then next week we got the Amy Community Series starting as well, which is good. Um, so I'll probably do my ladder prediction next week, and then I will do my St Kilda season preview the week after. I think, and then we'll only be two weeks away from round one, I think. Maybe one week away. I don't know. (laughs) It won't be far off either way. All right. Thanks very much for listening to that one, guys. Uh, It'll be good to have the AFLW back to normal for the last little bit of the season so I don't have to jump all over the app trying to figure out, oh, why are we playing this round three game at the end of February, which is in round seven, like what's going on? Oh, I don't have to do that anymore, hopefully. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, comment, review, share, tell your friends, do all that cool stuff, and I'll love you forever. I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.